I'm Effie Parks. Welcome to Once Upon a Jane, the podcast. This is a place I created for us to connect and share the stories of our not-so-typical lives. Raising kids who are born with rare genetic syndromes and other types of disabilities can feel pretty isolating. What I know for sure is that when we can hear the triumphs and challenges from others who get it, we can find a lot more laughter, a lot more hope, and feel a lot less alone. I believe there are some magical healing powers that can happen for all of us through sharing our stories, and I'll take all the help I can get. Hello, friends. If you're a mom, this announcement is for you. The Finding Happy podcast host, Sinead Quinn, is hosting a special three-night virtual event. Head on over to StrongerTogetherEvent.com and register for a three-night event. It's April 13th through the 15th. I'll be joining as a speaker alongside some amazing moms who all have kiddos with varying diagnoses and disabilities who are all going to be speaking. There's even a fellow rare mom who will be hosting a yoga practice and lots more. Please join us as we talk about how we navigate the hard parts, deal with burnout, and manage the loneliness, and how we come out the other side. Again, the website is StrongerTogetherEvent.com to register. And speaking of amazing moms, I've got another one on the show today. She hosts a podcast called The Rare Life. Stay tuned for an episode I recorded with her on her show coming soon. I'm very excited to introduce you to her. We got to talk shop offline about nerdy podcast stuff, which is always fun. And every time I see a new podcast come out for our world, I'm, I'm just so thrilled. There were only a handful that I could find after I had Ford. And these conversations are so important for families who are just entering this rare life and a close companion as time goes on. After you finish listening to this episode, head on over to The Rare Life and check out her podcast. It's amazing. And I'm honored to have moms like her on my team. Please enjoy my conversation with Madeline Cheney. Hi, Madeline. Welcome to the show. Hi, Effie. I'm so excited to be here. Yay, me too. I was so happy a couple of months ago when you showed up in my hashtags or something as a new rare disease podcast on the scene. And every time I see that, it just fills me up because I don't know if you know a lot about me, but in the beginning, I felt so alone and I couldn't find podcasts on the subject, which is why I started it. So the more the merrier. We need this content out there, especially for those first days. Days, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I wish I would have had something like this in that first like year of just, I knew I needed connection. I knew I needed community, but I was just drowning and everything. So I'm like, oh, a podcast would have been awesome because I could have just listened to it <laughs> in the privacy of my own home and like process things and known that I wasn't alone in everything, even though I knew it. But you know, like feeling that community is so powerful. So yes, amen. So yeah, I'm so happy. Your show is called The Rare Life and you can find it anywhere podcasts can be downloaded. Go subscribe to Madeline's show. It's really awesome. And it's always good to put another rare mama in your pocket. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> Got to stick together. <laughs> totally. Well, Madeline, can you just tell me about yourself and your family? Yeah, so I am a stay-at-home mom to Wendy, who's four. Oh, she just turned five, actually, like two days ago. She's five. And she is typical in every sense of the word. Well, she's a weirdo, but like she's like, you know, medically <laughs> typical. And then we have Kimball, and he's two and a half, and he is our little rare kiddo. He has a very rare disorder, which I'll probably talk more about. And then, yeah, my husband and I, we live in uh, Utah in Salt Lake County. And in my time that I'm not taking care of my children, 
I devote all my time to my podcast, The Real Life. And so that is, that's kind of our life, like our kids in the podcast. <laughs> yep. Yep. Story of my <laughs> yeah, life. You get it. <laughs> it's the best. Totally. Tell me about Kimball's diagnosis. So Kimball has a very rare genetic mutation um, and is called chondrodysplasia punctata X-linked type 1. Uh, it's kind of a mouthful, but it is a type of skeletal dysplasia. And there are 125 other known cases in the world. So when I heard that number, I was like, oh my gosh, we are like just figuring this out. No one knows anything about it. But I know now that I'm in like the rare disease community, you know, that's fairly common and, and you know. It's not as rare as others. Like I think Ford's is more rare than that. So it's it's just cool to be in kind of a smorgasbord of like the like <laughs> the misfit diagnoses where we can all, you know, have that community of rareness. So it is a skeletal dysplasia. So it mainly affects his bones. And I'll kind of, I'll give you the laundry list of like his, his like little his yeah. sub diagnoses. So he technically is deaf blind and we knew about his hearing loss right after he was born because that's associated with the syndrome, the hearing bones were deformed. And then we later found out about his blindness. And then he uh, has, it's a type of dwarfism. So he's really teeny tiny. His cervical spine, so the spine, the part of his spine, C1 and C2 that are there to protect his spinal cord are soft. They didn't form correctly. And so they don't keep him safe. So that's like the big... Uh, the big the scary one because uh, any kind of just typical fall, he could be paralyzed or die. So that's always kind of on my mind, in the back of my mind. Uh, he wears a cervical collar to keep him safe and will eventually be fused and have that hardened. And then he has no nose bone. So his nasal airway is incredibly narrow. Like on one side, it's non-existent. And so he was hospitalized many times in the first year just for colds because he couldn't breathe. So that was a lot of kids with uh, his syndrome have trachs to help them breathe. So that's a kind of a scary one. And then, you know, just like low muscle tone. So a lot of PT to help him meet gross motor milestones, like walking. He was really late with that and all the stuff. He was really late, but he had a G tube. He was tube fed for his first year and a half because of his low muscle tone and not being able to breathe through his nose. So that's kind of like his, <laughs> that's his laundry list. I know there's like 20 something different types of achondroplasia. So you definitely got one that has a lot of extra things thrown in yeah. there. Yeah that are all really complicated. I know the spinal fusion one is definitely the scariest and I'm glad to know that they'll be able to fuse it in the future. Is that something that he has to get older for, for that procedure to be done? And is it guaranteed that it's going to fix the problem? So that's an interesting one because we've actually been dealing with that a lot, like in the last like week and a half. So we found out about his instability. It's like, it's really common among kids with this. So we knew it was on the table and we had a unofficial diagnosis before he was born, but after he was born, they confirmed it, that it was unstable. And then we follow up with the neurosurgeon every six months to make sure everything looks good and there's no compression and stuff. And we just had one of those follow-ups like two weeks ago. And he noticed that one of the vertebrae, that C1 level, it was it's like really far forward and curved. And so he was concerned about that. So it was kind of like this big like, should we try to do the surgery now? Instead of, because we had planned on doing it when he was bigger. The bigger they are, the fewer risks there are. So we were planning on waiting till he was four. But because of that oddly shaped vertebrae, he was thinking about doing it sooner. And he like had to talk about it with all his other fellow neurosurgeons and like see what they thought. Because he's also tiny. Like because of his dwarfism, he's so tiny. So he's two and a half. He's the size of like, I don't know, maybe 18 month old. So they didn't even know if they could put the bolts and everything and the screws and the rods and everything in his 
tiny little vertebrae because they're so small. So that was kind of this big like decision. He finally decided to have him wait six months before that's done and kind of like reassess. So until then he's going, he has a soft collar right now, but he wants him to go back into like this terrible big hard collar. And I'm just like grieving it. I'm throwing a big fit because I hate it and he hates it. And it's just also sucky. Oh my God, Madeline. That's tough stuff. That's no joke. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's intense. And it's like really high risk of a, like the surgery itself is really high risk. So it's like some of these kids will have the surgery and have more complications from it or die. Some kids, like their parents will opt out of the surgery. Some of them die because they fall. And so it's just like this really tough spot to be in. But the surgery, like, I mean, the surgery itself actually has a pretty high success rate and we have a really good neurosurgeon out here. So like, I feel like we're in good hands, but you know, you never want to hear that kind of stuff when it's about your child. You said you were grieving the whole situation. Can you expand on that on what parts of this really complicated procedure and just existence of Kimball's cervical spine and everything? Yeah, I feel like the grief is just like, like my main source of grief is how much he has to suffer. Like it just is, it's so unfair. And I like watch these other kids, like even Wendy, like they get off so, and I did, I, you know, we get off so free and like just the pain they go through and all the extra work they have to try to do these things that we take for granted. I think it's just kind of like looping me back to when we he was first diagnosed, when I was pregnant with him, and then after he was born and watching him. I'm just kind of going back there and like, oh, this sucks so bad. And just seeing his sweet little face and like, he's so innocent. He's so like, just, he's just a little ray of sunshine and he doesn't understand you know, the risks. He doesn't understand what is going to happen to him with his surgery. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's so, the unfairness of it is just, it breaks my little heart to like watch him go through all this. So I think it's just kind of looping me back and it's bringing back all like the memories of other appointments like that or other diagnoses. Like, oh, when we found out he was blind or oh, when we found out he had any, you know, medical issues at all. Like it's all just kind of like stewed together and bringing it all up to the surface. And I just love that kid so much. And my love for him has grown so much since like, it's just over every day, it grows more and more. And so I think it's just that much more painful now because I love him more. So ugh, it's the worst. I love the way you said that. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it does. It's kind of both ways, right? Like it, it feels like it thrusts you back to the beginning of when you were kind of going through all this trauma and being introduced to what was going on. And then it's also new, right? Like this is something new that's happening. And it's just another wave of that grief that comes crashing in. And it also probably makes you have future grief too, right? Of like thinking about the things that are going to come crashing at you again in the future. And it's just like, it's so complex how we can think about organizing that stuff when it's happening to us. Yeah. So true. Like it's all like the past and the present and the future. It's all just one big mess of like projected fears and then past fears and then just like, and then the present fears. It's all just, yeah, it's just a big mess. Well, buddy. <laughs> yeah. What are some of the ways that you've found that help you manage your stress and just your emotional well-being overall with all of the stuff that is there and keeps coming in and just all of the things of being a rare mom in general, what are some of the things that you've found that help you in these really crappy moments? So I like am the classic, like push it down, push it out. I'm strong. I can soldier through it. Like that's kind of always been my mentality. Like my dad died from cancer four years ago. When that happened, 
I was like the most stoic in the family. I was like, I need to be there for my mom. And like I had younger siblings that were like 11 and 13. So I was like, I need to be there for them. And I just was able to just soldier through it. And it was okay. But then when Kimball came along, it was just, it was so close to home. And just, I was so wrapped up in it that I was like, unable to just push it down. And I tried, but it made this big mess of like, not dealing with my feelings. So really like, Honestly, I've learned a lot from like even just interviewing other parents and them talking about grief and how important it is to just like feel it and lean into it. I know that's like a common thing too, like within the grief world is like just allowing yourself to sit in that for a bit and process it and then move on. So I have, and I've learned that from my therapist as well. And so I think that that's really like something that I've gotten so much better at and helps me deal with it is being like, yeah, Maddie, it sucks. Like I don't have to sugarcoat it. I don't have to like look for all the silver linings. I can just sit in that dark space. And then at some point I'll move on and I'll be okay. But like, I just, I'm learning that's easier to process things now than to like shove it down and then have it come up in the future and have to deal with it then. I wholeheartedly agree with you. I say that all oh, the really? time. <laughs> yeah. All the time. Yeah. Was there something that like physically happened to you or did you have some type of public meltdown even in front of yourself that made you seek out your therapist or the fact that you had to have a mindset switch and deal with stuff as it was happening in your body or in your mind rather than trying to be this tough girl all the time? Yeah, I, I, it was definitely my body. I was like not sleeping. It was the weirdest thing. It was so frustrating. I would like lay there I'd go to bed at like nine and lay in bed till like three or four in the morning and then finally fall asleep after fretting all night. Like I need to sleep. I need to be able to take care of my kids. I need to like, <laughs> I'm tired. And I just couldn't sleep. And then it was just out of hand. And my husband actually was like, Maddie, you need help. Like this is unsustainable. And so I had heard somewhere that like when you can't sleep, sometimes that's grief undealt with. So I actually went to my therapist, like, we need to fix this. Cause it's not like, it had to be like a practical, like I need to sleep. So we need to fix this. <laughs> and I actually went thinking it was for my dad's, like the grief of my dad. I was like, maybe I haven't dealt with that, but I thought I had. But actually being in therapy, I realized, no, like I've, I've actually processed my dad. Like we had a really good relationship. There's nothing complex about it. It was actually dealing with Kimball and all like the trauma. I didn't realize it was trauma until I realized this is trauma. <laughs> it's like it's affecting my daily life. And so I actually did a therapy called EMDR and I will never stop shouting it from the rooftops because it helped me so much. Like I went from like survival drowning mode into like, I want to make a podcast and help other parents. So like, I really, yeah, I loved my therapy experience was so awesome. And it helped me so much to get past that and to, and to learn that lesson of like, I need to deal with this stuff and sit in it. And it's okay. I don't need to run from it. Mm, thanks for mentioning EMDR. Yeah, that trauma therapy, especially for parents like us. Yeah. Right? Put it put it on your tab. Yeah. When you were super stressed out and not sleeping and kind of just drowning in all of the stuff, were you talking to like friends and family about it or in any of your Facebook groups? Was that just kind of like noise that you were like holding like, yeah, I'm still I'm still Madeline. It's all good, but I'm not great. Like, were you reaching out to any of those people at all or were you just trying to handle it? I think I was just I mean, like, it's kind of a little blur, but like, I don't remember really reaching out. I didn't feel like I could talk to my mom about it, which I was able to actually work through some stuff with that too. But like, then I realized, no, like, I don't need to always be the strong one. Because I think that's kind of the role I took on. Like, even as a kid, like, I need to be the strong one. Like, I'm the practical one. Everyone needs me to be there for them. But then when I had my own thing, I didn't feel like I could like burden my 
family with it. And so I did really keep a lot of it because it was all under this facade of like, I need to be strong. I need to be this strong person. But like, I don't think that's strength. I think it's wanting to be strong and like pushing it down for that, but it doesn't make you stronger. And so since then, I've been able to talk, I, you know, I was able to talk to my mom about it. And that was awesome to feel like I can go to her. And I just realized that there's a lot of value in being vulnerable with other people and telling them what you're going through and a lot of closeness that happens from that. And a lot of processing that happens with that to be able to just tell people like, listen to how sucky this is. And then I know like we've talked about this before, but like it also in talking to like family members or friends that didn't get it, it was also almost more isolating in some ways because I was like, oh, but they just, they don't get it. And it kind of highlighted that. But then I kind of entered the Instagram world, honestly, to like to help people find my podcast. But I've realized that's actually become a really awesome way to just kind of process things as I'm going through them. Like right now with the spine thing, like being able to like, guys, guess what? This sucks so bad. And we will tell them like, they'll get it. Like they'll know what this is like to have these kind of feelings. And just really being really open with other people and vulnerable has helped so much. And I feel like it helps other people too, because guess what? We're like all going through similar things and hearing other people talk about it can be so healing. Uh, yeah, it's basically the only answer. <laughs> and I think every rare parent listening is just nodding because we've all been there, right? We've all been in that place where we do have these extra like supports or maybe like our past life, if you yeah. want to call it. Like we have these friends, this family, this community, and then all of a sudden we're separate. Mm -hmm. And while of course they would rush to our sides to help us, but there's this point where we just like don't have that we don't have that energy that's mm -hmm. connecting all of our stuff, all of our feelings, mm -hmm. all of our, it's just not connecting anymore. Yeah. Like it was severed. Yeah. <laughs> it was just severed. And yeah, I think really kind of realizing that at some point and, f you know, maybe it's because you can't sleep. Maybe it's because you found your niche on Instagram or whatever it is. But when you finally open back up and realize that sharing the hard stuff is actually connecting to you, to the other people, because they maybe have never heard another mom say stuff like yeah. that. They've never, never felt it was okay to complain about this or that when it's not even complaining. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And it really is so validating. Like validation is so important. And I think it's just, it's harder to come by because all of a sudden our circle, like you said, like they can't really validate it completely because they don't understand. And so that validation that comes from other parents that get it is just, it is so amazing. Like, I feel like there's like a lot of things about Kimball's journey that's just sucked so bad. But there are like the connection that I've experienced is unlike any other I've ever had. Just the instantaneous like, ah, oh, yes, we're in the same circle and we get it. And like that feeling is just the best. <laughs> It's a relief. It's a physical relief. Yeah. Yeah. Where you can just relax. Yeah. And I think that's obviously like that's what you and I are pursuing with our podcast is just another platform to express that and to hear other people's story. And like you've said before, like there's something about hearing someone's voice as they're talking about it. That's just that much more just poignant, like just being able to you're in the same room with them. It feels like. Yeah. I love it. I love podcasts so much. Yeah. They're the best. <laughs> So what are some of the ways that you think either you were prepared to really be Kimball's mom or what do you think that you pulled from that from back then and perhaps learned now, like especially after your th trauma therapy and just, you know, your podcast and kind of moving forward in 
a more advocacy type role? And what do you think has become like a catalyst that is making you like the mom that perhaps you might have never been and that the the mom that Kimball really needs? I think that place of vulnerability really like was my weakness before. And so kind of being thrown into this position where I was just like full of so much emotion and so many just hard feelings. I think that helped me become less stoic and more empathetic and less in pursuit of being just this strong soldiering mom and more into like when people talk about things, um, like I have a really good friend who is going through IVF right now. And I just feel like I'm able to empathize, even though they're completely different things. They're like, they hit so near the same spot of our hearts, like of that mama heart of just aching. And um, I think it's, I'm able to come I'm able to like empathize with her in a way that like I wouldn't have been able to before and other people with just with hard stuff, like just to be able to like, yeah, you know, I've hurt before too. And I can like, I understand the gravity of the fact that I also can't understand because I think a lot of people want to like, oh yeah, like I get it and kind of give you their like similar things, but you're like, yeah, but you don't get it. And I can say, yeah, but I don't get it. And I don't know. I just feel like that empathy has definitely been really life-changing And I also feel like in my pursuit of being strong, I also didn't really think I was that strong. Like maybe it was a sensitive spot for me. And so I felt like I had to portray that. But now I like deep within my bones, I believe that I am so strong because of the things that I've been able to get through. So really it's kind of come full circle. Like it's okay, Mads, you don't have to like always pretend to be strong. And then, but guess what? You are actually really strong because you've gone through this. So I guess that's probably my main journey or evolution from this. Yeah, girl. I love that. Definitely badass for sure. (laughs) Yes. Like shout it from the rooftops. (laughs) Yeah. I actually am really strong. I can definitely handle this. (laughs) Yeah. And like, it's nice to have come to that conclusion like already because now with things coming up with Kimball, with his neck and everything, even though I feel so weak because it's just so like painful. I'm like, yeah, but Maddie, you're so strong. Like you've been through stuff like this before and you've gotten out of it and you're, you're fine. So that's such a valuable thing to learn about yourself. Yeah, it's actually actually standing flat-footed in your power rather than just living with this kind of family system that perhaps you were raised with that you were a strong person, mm-hmm. but it's actually real and you feel it like pumping through your body yeah. even though it sucks to have to be strong <laughs> yeah. too. Totally. But it just kind of changes. I really love what you said when you were talking about becoming more empathetic towards people and really coming from a place of being able to understand someone's pain. Mm. But I really loved when you said, even if I don't understand it, I still feel it. Mm. And I, I totally get that. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about empathy is you don't have to know exactly what they're going through to have true compassion for someone and to just hold that space for them Mm -hmm. to feel what someone's going through. Whereas perhaps if you didn't have kind of this greater understanding of it, you would maybe feel uncomfortable because you didn't understand. Yeah, totally. It's like, it feels like a tool now. Like I'm like, yeah, don't worry. Like I understand pain at that level. And I, that's one like a uh, realization I had too, because I always felt so isolated. Like even sometimes I still struggle with it. I just feel like, ah, no one really understands. But I realized that like, 
capitalizing on other people's struggles is actually really great for helping like merge that division that I've felt because realizing like, hey, she's going through IVF right now and hey, her, I don't know, her son died or like these really hard things. It's like, because they've also been through really hard things, it kind of puts us like every human on earth in the same boat because we've all been through really hard things and will at some point if we haven't yet. So I guess just realizing the greater commonality we have with everyone on the whole earth is really cool (laughs) in a sad way, but it's cool. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that all human stuff kind of definitely has that polar polar emotion to it, right? And that's that's definitely what makes it really beautiful. Yeah, so deep. Mm. Little Kimball. So what are you gonna do for you to kind of work through these next few months up until that next appointment? Like how are you gonna keep Madeline as sane and as emotionally stable as possible to get through these next really hard few months of un- of not knowing? I think a lot of that will be allowing myself the license to just be upset and to not be like, wow, what's wrong with me? Like just to be like to have that self-compassion, like it's okay, like this is hard and you can feel it and you can talk about it and how to process it more that way. So allowing myself, you know, that but then also just on kind of a basic level of having an arsenal of like self-care that I've implemented since actually in just last year, I started taking bubble baths every night. And it sounds so superficial, but it really is such a key part of my, of just telling myself every single day, like, you matter. All these other people matter that you take care of also, but you matter too. And so because it's just so luxurious. Like it's just so like, it's so unneeded, but I look forward to that all day. Like I know that that's going to come. Like when I feel so spent just being home with the kids all day and taking care of them and feeling so like, so like just the mind numbing, like repetition, I know that that will come. And that's the symbolic moment for myself. Like you matter too. And I think I will really hold on to that. And it'll mean more to me because it's, Things are rougher right now. And when things are rougher, I hold on to it more. And it's like this drink after I'm really thirsty. Just It just means that much more. And so I think I really, those two things of like holding on to that self-care practice and that license to feel sad and to feel upset. And also, one more thing, <laughs> also like continuing my podcast. Like it gives me such a purpose in life and it gives me so much drive to know that like, ah, oh, I'm feeling this right now. And I know there's other parents that are feeling this right now and getting these episodes out to them will help them and we'll get through this type of thing together. And that is so priceless to me. Mm, Yes, all of that. (laughs) I think a lot of people need the reminder of the license to feel. And that's just another part of processing all of your emotions in general is letting it be there and not bearing it down and not compartmentalizing it for too long. And I love the self-care consistency. Always saying that too, right? Like find the thing that you have to do for yourself and make it consistent because it's not self-care if it's your trip that you finally took. Like that's great, but that's not going to fill you up all the time and rejuvenate you. Have it like in that (laughs) that special little thing that you do every day or every couple days for yourself, no matter what. Totally. And the podcast, I definitely agree with you there, right? Like it's a piece of my purpose for sure. So I get that. You know, I was actually thinking about you the other day after we chatted. I podcast at my aunt's house and she's gone right now. And she has like this giant 
tub and it's right by the window and it overlooks a lake ah. and I came over here on a Sunday and I took just like the most ridiculous bubble bath and I thought of you <laughs> and I was like I wonder if I can come over here every day and just take my bubble bath oh that makes me so happy yes think of me think of me during your bubble baths <laughs> I know I was thinking of you during my bubble bath and I was like she's got something here <laughs> with the bubble bath it really is I swear I like tell everyone I know I'm like I'm gonna get off now and let you go after this interview because I gotta go take my bubble bath <laughs> yeah like, and it's just really gonna keep you on your toes about making your bathroom clean all the time right true. you won't get behind on cleaning that tub because you need it for your bathtub oh, all the time yes like if you're ta- if you have to clean out like the <laughs> bath toys that reduces the charm by like 50 percent like Totally. You cannot be cleaning out the bath toys before your bath. I mean, I've done it before. I've actually had to scrub out poop out of the tub first. It definitely yep. lessened the charm, but I made it happen. <laughs> I know <laughs> you're like bleaching it just to make yeah. sure you're going to have a great experience still. Yes. <laughs> yes, get the poop out if you need to, but take that bath. Oh, that's so funny. <sighs> Well, Madeline, I am just so grateful to be connected to you. And I'm always inspired by another rare parent, no matter what they're doing, no matter what their kid's diagnosis is, I think that we are all on a really special path that is necessary for our entire ecosystem of being rare parents. So I'm just grateful to know you and I'm here to support you and (laughs) whatever you need, girl. And I'm just really glad to be connected and to help share your story too, because I know as podcasters, we don't necessarily always do that. So thank you. It's important. It's definitely nice to talk about. And I do really appreciate, you know, you being in my circle or my, my corner because, you know, side note, it's interesting to me because once I went into the podcasting world, I was like, man, I almost feel like this isolates me again. Like I'm a special needs parent podcaster is now my little like corner that I've been in, but it's been really nice to find people like you and know that like we're in this corner together and we understand we get each other and just at that level. So yay connection. Yep. Yay community. <laughs> totally. <laughs> All right. Well, Madeline, is there anything that perhaps I did not ask you that you'd like to share or leave with our listeners? I would say that one one of the biggest things that I've learned, I've touched on a tiny bit, but like the competition or comparison thing, it makes any journey so much worse. So I've really worked on that because I kind of like tend to go there and compare myself and be like, well, Kimball's too medically complex for me really to connect with that person or, oh, he's he's not in a wheelchair. So how much can Effie and I really connect? And kind of just like isolating myself by comparing myself and my journey. And I would encourage if you're listening to this and thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm in that boat too, like work on that. Like I, I constantly working on it and it's something that will always, I think I'll always struggle with, but like fighting back on that and being like, no, but like we do, we have this and this in common and we don't have to have the exact same journey to get each other. And don't let that be a reason to not share your story, to think that it's not intense enough or too intense for people. Like your story belongs everywhere. If that's something that you want to share and you think would be healing for you, like don't let the comparison stop you from sharing your story and connecting with other people. 100%. Comparison is for the birds. (laughs) Waste of bandwidth. Yes. Get it (laughs) out of here. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Well, Madeline, thanks so much for being my guest today. I will have all the links to your show and your website in the notes here. So go subscribe to Madeline's show and... Yeah, just thank you so much, Madeline. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. I hope you've been enjoying this podcast. If you like what you hear, 
please share this show with your people and please make sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter to connect with me and stay updated on the show. If you're interested in sharing your story or if you have anything you would like to contribute, please submit it to my website at effieparks.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for supporting me along the way. I appreciate you all so much. I don't know what kind of day you're having, but if you need a little pick-me-up, Ford's got you. Ha 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 